The following is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 900 CHML. Hold on to me as we go As we roll down this unfamiliar road And although this wave is stringing us along Just know you're not alone Cause I'm gonna make this place your home Good morning, Hamilton. This is Rob Golfie with Remax, the Golfie team. Welcome to the Hamilton Real Estate Show with Rick Zamperd and Phil Golfie. Good morning once again. This is a barn burner of a show. There's no doubt about it. We have some fantastic topics today, including a couple of email questions for Rob and Philip. One regarding a basement leak, the other one regarding a basement apartment. Uh, I'm sure we'll have some time to get to uh, the U.S. election that's coming up in November and a big decision that Canadian snowbirds are having about selling their Florida or possibly selling their Florida vacation homes. Uh, we'll also talk about a realtor getting fined by Rico and in a matter of seconds, why is Toronto's hot condo market suddenly cooling off? We'll get to that, as I said, in a matter of seconds. Don't forget for the hottest listings in town, Hamilton, Burlington, Niagara, robgolfie.com is the website you want to go to. That's Rob G-O-L-F-I.com. Call them at 905-575-7700. That's 905-575-7700. They're all over social media, whether it's Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, the handle at Rob Golfie, and subscribe to the Hamilton Real Estate Show podcast wherever you get your favorite podcast. Past episodes online at robgolfie.com and 900chml.com. If you have a question for the Golfie team or a topic idea for a future program, Send us an email. Questions at robgolfie.com is the email address. Questions at robgolfie.com. We will begin today talking about Toronto's hot condo market. Well, it's not as red hot as it has been in the past, and the COVID-19 pandemic is not entirely to blame. So let me set the stage for for you two guys to chew on this. For the first time since a year-over-year dip following the financial downturn in 2008-09, real estate experts in TO say there's a softening in the condo sector. Prices are still rising and condos are still selling, but they're no longer leading the market. Um, are, are you surprised? Are you shocked? I'm not shocked. Um, I think um, COVID has given people kind of like, uh, what's that syndrome that I'm looking for where people... Uh, been stuck in their houses for uh, PTSD. PTSD. He, he's got the right word, uh, initials or, or uh, acronym for that. Um, they got stuck in their condos, and people now are looking for a different way of living. And uh, so, th- to me, there's two things. One, nobody wants to be locked up in a condo. It's like being in jail. You know, you can't go anywhere except to the grocery store, back to to your condo. You, there is no restaurants open for about two months or even three months. And the only thing you can do is just go out and go for a walk and that's it. So people really felt what condo living was like uh, with no amenities to go to. So that's one aspect of it. The other aspect of it is I think a lot of people 
that live in condos now um, their employer are offering them opportunities to work out of their house. So now they're, they're moving where they want to go. They're either moving back home to their families so they can save some money to buy a house or selling their condos and buying a townhouse uh, or a single detached home in, uh, in the urban areas. And uh, that's one aspect of it. Um, and uh, there, there's probably an over and abundance of condos too in, in the Toronto area. Those are my kind of uh, scenarios because we know we, we've got way more GTA buyers coming towards this way. Than, um, and it was just like that in 2015, 16, and 17. So there's, uh, according to this article in the Toronto Star, and it's pretty, it goes pretty in-depth in terms of prices and what's available out there, but it basically hints at two Toronto condo markets. One is in Toronto itself, where 40% of the units uh, are downtown, but they've seen a rent decline. The rest of those uh, available condos uh, are in the rest of the GTA, whether it's in Brampton or Mississauga or uh, uh, you know Thornhill or whatever the case is. Uh, but the GTA, the rest of the GTA, has re- recently seen no change in rents or those or those prices. The other thing to consider, and you kind of hinted at it regarding people being stuck in their condos, is you know they have that cabin fever. They they haven't been able to go anywhere. Uh, the elevators are a factor because of physical distancing, and uh, masks are now mandatory in all common areas. So, you know, when you have a house, whether it's a townhome or a detached home, you don't have to wear a mask when you're, when you're in a quote-unquote common area. You're in your own home. Uh, would those um, would those details, would those uh, uh, items be, I guess, high on someone's list to say, hey, I got to get out of this condo? Absolutely. Nobody wants to, you know, people want to feel comfortable when they're going home. They don't want to still feel that they have to, uh, you know, put a mask on and, and worry about what they touch and who, you know, and all that. Like, since, so to them, going into their building is basically their home, but they really, it's not really, not till they actually hit the front, the front door of their condo in, in whatever floor they're on. So, so it's just kind of like, you know, like I gotta, I gotta be, you know, do this social distancing, wear my mask right to the doorstep of my door of my condo. And, and people are kind of like, you know, listen, I, I got to my condo. I just want to let loose and just, you know, start relaxing. But they, well, there's, there's the other side of it where, you know, you, you, you could be one that's extremely sensitive to COVID and, and to the pandemic. And, and you're, you're the one who's worried about other people not doing their social distancing or not wearing their mask or not popular, you know, properly sanitizing. You know, I, I know if you're an elderly person and, and you're living in a condo and, and might be more susceptible to that. And, and you you see other people not not doing the right things. Well, you might be more, you know, a little bit more declined to to, to feel comfortable living in there. And, and, and that might be somebody who, who would would want to flee the condo market in the condo situation and go find, um, you know, a single detached home. And that, that way they can, you know, only depend on themselves to, to, to make sure that they're they're feeling safe and, and not worrying about the, um, you know, the non masks ma- uh, maskers or or uh, people who aren't properly sanitizing and, and being safe. So there's there's definitely two two you know spectrums to to it. But it, the, the condo market has has you know from from our experience, there's a lot of um, it, it's grabbing a lot of headlines right now in, in terms of what's going on in downtown Toronto. Um, do we? I would say, do we see it turning into a full buyer's market because it's not it's not there right now condos are still moving. Uh, they're still moving fast and still moving quickly. And in and, and, and a lot of situations, as you mentioned at the beginning of the show, condo markets are still rising. Um, 
are there certain situations where people, you know, in, in certain condos where, where people are struggling to sell? Yeah, absolutely. But I, I think we're, we're still a long way from it turning into a, a complete buyer's market. Here's another thing to consider, too, and this goes into supply and demand and price points. When you're looking in the Toronto condo market, you know, the, the lower price points are about half a million, 550000 You get into the $600,000 range, uh, you know, you're, you're escalating in price. But for that price point, given the fa- fact that many of those people in those condos are working from home, does it not make more sense to say, hey, I'm going to look at Hamilton, where the average price of a detached home is about five hundred fifty, six hundred thousand dollars, depending on where you're looking. Oh, absolutely, and that's why I mean, the whole world has changed uh, its dynamics of how people are living right now, and uh, so people that are living in condos, they had a real good feel of being, uh, you know, quarantined, and uh, so now they're 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 going to come to the uh, the Niagara and the Hamilton area because the price points are fantastic for them. They, they, these people are used to paying high prices and coming here is like, uh, it's like, a, it's easy, easy peasy for them. So, um, it, it's, and that's, what's driving the prices up in our market. It's really a delicate balance because if there was a lot of uh, availability in Hamilton at the price point that we're seeing in this city, I would imagine there'd be a lot of Torontonians, a lot of people in the GTA who are in condos, especially that would look at the, you know, the, the, the listings here in this city that are available to say, Hey, I'm going to jump in right now because with this new reality and working from home, I can get so much more for the same amount of money I'm spending on a, you know, five, six, 700 square foot condo. It would make, uh, I, I know that delicate balance is there because when you move out of a space and go into another space, there is that ripple effect. But if there was more availability in Hamilton, I think we'd see a lot more GTA buyers in the city. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Big time. I, I You know, the, the problem for people right now in downtown Toronto to, to move to, and, and I'm just speaking, you know, the downtown central core of Toronto, it, it's a complete lifestyle change for, for somebody to, move out of one of those condos and, and move to a suburban, you know, center. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a lot of those people don't, don't even own cars. They, they completely rely on, on their, their, their 10 minute walk away from everything. Um, there's, you know, they're, they're used to the entertainment. They're used to the lifestyle. It's a complete lifestyle change for, for somebody to, to move right out from downtown and in, in that, in that condo center to, to a Hamilton or, or, or something like that. But, but what we're seeing is we're, you know, people that are more in the suburban cities in, in those condos that are a little bit outside of the city, those are the people who were attracting more so than the person who, who has that lifestyle directly and right downtown. Um, and, 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 you know, they're able to, to go from, you know, they might live on the outskirts and they might drive into the city for work every single day. Well, instead of a 25-minute drive or a 20-minute drive, now they're a 45-minute drive, but they have a single detached home, right? So their, life, their lifestyle and life hasn't changed that much. Um, and, and those are the people who, who were attracting more. And those are the types of people who are, are more buying more so than the ones that are, that are living in the condo downtown. I feel like the people who live in a condo downtown don't even know what's going on around them. They're so centric and, and, and so focused on their, their little bubble, which is, you know, right downtown and, and everything around them. But, um, and, and the, the, the outside, the outside around them is, is, is unknown. And I remember, you know, I, I, sometimes I meet somebody and, and they'll ask me, they're like, where are you from? And I'll be like, Oh yeah. You know, I live you know, 50 minutes away. I live in Grimsby. And they're like, where's Grimsby? <laughs> you know what I mean? And these, 
And these people are, are people that live right downtown Toronto. And, and there's, there's no reason for them to go outside of their, their, their little bubble. And, and, and not, you know, not that they have a reason to, but it, it's hard, it's hard for them to just because they don't have access to, you know, the people mover transportation to get them down to the Niagara Falls or, or, or what have you. It, it, they're just not there to support that, that travel distance. You're 100% right. They're locked in their little downtown bubble. Uh, and, the, you know, the main reason why they're looking towards Hamilton for a, whether it's a lifestyle change or not is that price point. Because if you look to the Markhams of the world, uh, the Auroras, anything north of Toronto, uh, you know, uh, Burlington, Oakville, that price point does not make sense until you get to Hamilton. That's why it's so red hot mm-hmm. here in the city. When we come back, we'll talk about a uh, realtor who was fined by Rico and a couple of email questions for Rob and Philip. Stay tuned. This is the Hamilton Real Estate Show on 900 CHML. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 900 CHML. Welcome back. This is the Hamilton Real Estate Show on 900 CHML. Rick Zamprin in studio. And from one Markland, it's Rob Golfie and Philip Golfie, sales representatives with Remax's Scartman Realty, the Golfie team. You can find them online at robgolfie.com. That's Rob, G-O-L-F-I.com. Call them at 905-575-7700. That's 905-575-7700. Like them on Facebook. Check them out on Twitter and Instagram. The handle is at Rob Golfie. And download the Hamilton Real Estate Show podcast wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Have a question for the Golfie team? Send them an email, questions at robgolfie.com. That's questions at robgolfie.com. Stay tuned. We have a couple of email questions for Rob and Philip. One's regarding a basement leak. The other one regarding a basement apartment. We'll get to those in a matter of minutes. But here's a situation uh, from Rico, and it recently decided a uh, an enforcement penalty against a realtor. Uh, This uh, individual represented the seller in the sale of a property. There were 24 competing offers for this property. And uh, this uh, agent and the other registrants from the brokerage represented uh, some of the potential buyers. This realtor did not disclose in writing to all potential buyers that they represented or provided services to more than one buyer or seller in respect to the sale of the property as required by the Code of Ethics. Having reviewed an agreed statement of facts and penalty and waiver of hearing, the Discipline Committee found that the agent breached Sections 3 and 17 of the Code of Ethics and was ordered to pay a fine of $6,000. Does this happen a lot? Uh, not it, a lot. It, uh, big big teams, uh, it would happen with big teams uh, because, uh, uh, you know, there's a high probability that would happen. But you have to disclose that if the one realtor is representing two or three different buyers on this, uh, and they're all three putting offers, let's say three, three people, buyers are putting offers on the same house, that realtor should disclose to their clients that they're, he's representing three, uh, two other people at the same time uh, to put an offer in. Um, we, don't, we don't do that here. We actually will have three different agents represent three different um, 
uh, buyers to to represent that uh, for them to purchase that because it just be, it, it it there there is a you know people want to want to know like that one person is not going to wonder hey are you well, are you helping this other person more than me they're 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 always going to wonder that yeah I mean it puts the realtor in a difficult position if they're if they're representing more than three bu- or, or more than one buyer on the same property that real estate agent knows the other competing offers that he's competing with. Well, in this example, there's 24 other offers. So, you know, there's, there's, you know, there's, there's another, you know, 21 competing offers that he doesn't know about, but if he has three of his own offers, you know, he's, he's put in a position where he has to advise his clients at a, at a price to go in and offer at while knowing the other two offers that he's already offered. So he, he already, he's in a, he's in a, he's in a difficult position. What what they should have done is is this person should have got help from either their brokerage team or somebody from their office to help represent the other buyers in the transaction and, and just so that there was that that fairness to each and every individual um, when when putting in a competing offer and then on top of that you would still have to disclose and and let the other competing offers know that there is a multiple representation situation if the seller is also represented by by those buyers so. It's, you know, a lot of these RICO complaints and and RICO um, situations often arise from a a multiple offer situation and they are finicky. Um, If you're not familiar with them and and you don't have the experience to to be able to handle them, um, we've talked about it before. There's, There's a lot of pressure points when it comes into a multiple offer situation. It often gets, you know, emotional. Um, and, and, And many times, you know, there's, there's only one person that can get the house. And then in this situation, 23 other people are, are throwing their hands up in the air and, and, and wondering why they didn't get in or, 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 you know, saying, you know, that's not fair how this went out. And, and, and in this particular situation, it resulted in a $6,000 fine, but there's, there's, you know, there's a correct way to run a multiple offer situation. And, and with the current pricing strategies in today's market, that's what we're seeing a ton of. We're seeing, Many people that are that are pricing um, a property below market value, hoping to get you know many many showings, and and on a certain date they're they're going to review uh, multiple offers. But it's you know along with that come certain disclosures that you need to adhere by and follow the rules to to make sure everything goes fair and smoothly. And we've seen situations on our own that that are are either running correctly or or you know managed incorrectly. Um, and, and oftentimes the, the, the one that's losing is the seller and, and, you know, in certain situations, the one that's gaining the financial, um, you know, benefit is, is the real estate agent. So, um, you know, there, there's certain, you know, the way you manage it is very important. Um, number one is that you have to be very, very organized. Um, and number two, you have to be clear in your instructions. So, so that, every purchasing party knows and every realtor knows um, exactly the situation that's, that's happening. And um, this is something that, you know, in that 2017 market, we were, we were new to it. I think that's, you know, the, the first busy, busy market where we experienced a lot of those multiple, multiple offer situations and over asking price. So now we have, you know, we have three, four years of experience and, and, and understanding how to properly deal with those situations. And in today's market, um, you know, experienced realtors, there's, there's really no excuse in, in terms of how to run those situations. And, um, and, you know, from my experience and speaking for myself, 
um, my experience has been good and, and people have, have been much better in, in uh, understanding the processes. And the consumer has become more educated in understanding the processes of the multiple offer situation. And, and, and so much so that there's many people out there who are in the uh, buying process that if there is a multiple offer situation or if there is a situation where uh, a property is holding offers until a certain date, they won't even go see it because they, they, they understand that, um, you know, they, they, they've already decided that they don't want to compete um, and they don't want to be in that emotional situation. So there's, there's many things that, that, that come, uh, come from this. I'm only going to guess in this case because I don't have all the information and, and, you know, at the end of the day, we can't get into the head of this particular realtor, but uh, whether you're you're a team of realtors or whether you're you know a, a an independent you know lone wolf if I can put it that way you know trying to sell homes, you might have a particular property that you have a client that's interested in. Uh, there's another person who you obtain the services uh, to to show you know a particular home and they want to go in on this home as well. So you have two clients that are interested in the same home. The failure of this realtor at the end of the day was not disclosing the fact that they were representing more than one person in this sale. Um and I'm not sure whether a $6,000 fine is considered a hefty one or not. That's a pretty big chunk of change no matter uh, you know what uh, what business you're in. But, um, I mean, it, it, it seems to me it should have been an easy discussion to say, hey, I have one or two or three you know interested parties in this matter, and uh, and then they're fine. It seems like an easy error here. Yeah, yeah. It's just, uh, you know what, he, he should have disclosed, and, uh, and he uh, didn't do that, so... Uh, I'm sure he's never going to make that mistake again. And, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, for some people, Rick, like we don't know the specifics of this realtor. We're not familiar with who they are or, or what their name is. But um, in a situation like this, you know, we, we, we work in an industry where there's a lot of part-time realtors, where there's a lot of people who, who necessarily aren't up to date on, on um, code you know, the, the code of ethics and the rules of, and regulations of RICO. So this, this could have been just an honest, mistake and a simple oversight where, where that realtor didn't even know what they were doing wrong or, or if anything at all. So it, it, you know what I mean? It might not come from a, a background of a, a malicious, um, you know, mindset where they're, you know, where they understood and knew, they knew where they, they were doing something wrong. It, it could have just been a simple oversight, which is, you know, which, which happens as well. Should, I'm not sure if this is possible, we could get into some tricky situations or scenarios, but should RICO or OREA or CREA make it illegal for one realtor to represent two different clients on the same property? And again, you're probably wiping out all those, you know, independent agents out there or part-time agents. But if you're in a team aspect, I mean, that's an, that's an easy, you know, kind of hot potato to hand off to the next person. Well, I, I know in, uh, I, I'm not sure, I think it's in Vancouver, they cannot even represent the buyer and the seller. Uh, they, uh, they've eliminated uh, multiple representation. Hmm. So, uh, and it's caused less uh, lawsuits because when, there, uh, when there's a multiple representation, when the, the agent's representing the buyer and the seller, uh, it's caused uh, a lot of problems there. So they've eliminated that. Uh, Ontario, I'm not sure if they're going into that route. We're uh, with uh, the Toronto Real Estate Board, one of the largest uh, real estate boards in North America, over 55,000 uh, uh, realtors are members on uh, the Toronto Real Estate Board. So it's, it, you know, it, they've got a lot of power, so they can almost uh, dictate how things are going uh, with uh, with the legislation. But, uh, but 
they're 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 uh, a is is doing everything and 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 they're pretty good. I mean they 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 are the police of the of the uh, realtors, and uh, so you gotta you gotta follow the uh, you know the rules and regulations. And if you don't, you're gonna get uh, fined hefty. Now for the guy that got fined six thousand dollars. I mean, if he's not if he's not doing that many deals a year, that's a bit that, that's a lot of money. So yeah. he uh, he's going to feel the pain on that uh, fine. Yeah, and that double representation ban to me in BC makes a lot of sense because at the end of the day, you're protecting, I think, the buyer and the seller from getting duped, may, possibly in the same in the same deal because the agent oh, really ab- holds all the cards, right? Absolutely, absolutely. So. Um, it's always good, but in, in situations where the same realtor is representing two different buyers on the same property, like, you know, how often does this happen? Less than 5% of all transactions? No, less than 1%. Yeah. So it's, it, it, you know, it's a situation that, that, that's very rare and far and few between, um, that does there need to be a, a law for it? No, but if the, if the, well, there is a law for it. The realtor has to disclose that they're representing more than one party on the purchasing, uh, more than one purchasing party on on the subject property, and, and and that's it. And and those, you know, those should eliminate any and all problems. If you have a topic idea or an email question for the Golfy team, you can send them an email: questions at robgolfie.com. That's questions at robgolfie.com. Find them online at robgolfie.com or call them at nine zero five five seven five seventy seven hundred. We have a couple of email questions to get to. Uh, starting with this one, I'm looking to purchase a property that includes a basement apartment for rental purposes. How can I tell if it meets safety codes and bylaw requirements? I'll be moving in a few weeks, and I'm concerned about moving into a home that was previously occupied during the COVID-19 pandemic. Is the seller obligated to have the property cleaned and sanitized before I take possession? So let's start with the first one. Looking to purchase a property that includes a basement apartment for rental purposes. How can I tell if it meets safety codes and bylaw requirements? Yeah, the first thing you can do is, you, you, I mean, you just go on your municipality website and just t- type in uh, rental property bylaw for the city of Hamilton. And, and from there, you'll be able to understand everything that's needed um, to, to legally conform to the, the, the bylaws and, and having an accessory apartment. Um, but but let, your, let your real estate agent walk you through that and, and ensure that, that, you know, the, the property that you're purchasing for for investment um, is legally suitable for what you are looking to do as an investment. And, and, you know, there's a lot of homes out there that have illegal accessory apartments and in the city of Hamilton's trying to crack down on it. Um, this is something that we see every single day and, 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 you know, through those investor books and investor webinars and things like that, investor conferences, um, you know, real estate investors are taught to, to, you know, to, in, in terms of how to be successful is to buy properties with uh, accessory apartments. Your, your overall rent rate would be much higher um, renting out two, two different uh, spaces in the home. But there's, you, you have to be careful in terms of legalities and understanding that, that you know, the specific bylaws and specific zonings um, will not allow you to do that. That can result in, in, in massive lawsuits um, and, and, and 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 insure you know and then again you and then you move on to an insurance purposes you got to make sure that you're properly insured as well so there's a lot of a lot of different you know finicky legalities in in terms of buying a a property with an accessory apartment in my opinion you know the best way to do it is is if you're if you're going to buy something like that live in one side of the property live in you know you live upstairs and 
and rent out the basement. And, and that's the safest and best way to, to, to be able to, to find a property with an accessory apartment. But if you're if you're looking for a specific property, you got to make sure it meets the the specific bylaws and zoning zoning requirements. A lot of a lot of people in uh, in Hamilton have uh, uh, illegal apartments in their basement, and they get away with it. But if you're buying a house based on that illegal apartment, um, the one thing is, uh, you know, anytime if bylaw comes around and says sorry, you can't do that, uh, you know, now you lose that income that you were hopefully on. we're we're banking on to, to get to help you pay the mortgage, you can lose that. So be, be very, very careful when you have a, a second apartment. Make sure it's legal because one day that can just uh, be pulled uh, right out of you. Great tips. Uh, when we come back, uh, this individual is concerned about moving into a home that was previously occupied during the COVID-19 pandemic. And we'll also talk about uh, buying or at least considering buying a home that has a small crack in the foundation. We'll get to that and a whole lot more still to come here on the Hamilton Real Estate Show on 900 CHML. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 900 CHML. Homeward bound, I wish I was homeward bound. Welcome back. This is the Hamilton Real Estate Show on 900 CHML. Rick Samprin in studio here at 875 Main Street West. Just down the road at One Markland, it's Rob Golfie and Philip Golfie, sales representatives with Remax Escarpment Realty, the Golfie team. Find them online at robgolfie.com. Call them anytime at 905 575 7700 at Rob Golfie on Twitter, Instagram, like them on Facebook, and download the Hamilton Real Estate Show podcast wherever you get your favorite podcasts. If you have a question for the Golfie team or a topic, idea that you would like us to tackle on a future program, send us an email. Questions at robgolfie.com is the email address. Again, that's questions at robgolfie.com. Just before the break, I read this uh, email question. I'll be moving in a few weeks, and I'm concerned about moving into a home that was previously occupied during the COVID-19 pandemic. Is the seller obligated to have the property cleaned and sanitized before I take possession? This is a great question. Yeah, it is. Um, there is no law that it needs to be done. But as a buyer moving in, I would probably plan on having uh, a cleaner to go in and just wipe and, and, and clean everything before you actually move in. Um, and, and, and it also depends on what you put on the agreement of purchase and sale. So there is no law for that. Uh, I would definitely uh, uh, hire uh, the buyer, hire somebody. But most good people that are selling they they sometimes have cleaners come in and and, uh, and clean the house, you know. And but they're cleaning, you know, they're vacuuming, wiping, uh, you know, baseboards and and countertops and and cleaning bathrooms. But they're not really doing a, a full cleaning for uh, like um, you know this COVID uh, 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 thing that we have going on. So definitely, uh, if you're looking at buying, uh, if you're looking to move in. Uh, you know, book your cleaners to go in and, and have it sprayed. Uh, there's cleaning companies out there. They'll go in and spray the house and uh, it's a very mild mist and it, it'll kill any uh, germs and bacteria that, uh, that is in the house. Now, if you're looking at buying a house and, and uh, you're working in negotiations, um, 
I you could put that into the uh, agreement of purchase and sale, but I wouldn't bank. I wouldn't depend on on the seller doing it. Just do it yourself as a buyer. Then you know you hired the right person. Then you know it was done right, and 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 move in. But uh, but yeah, that that is a a, a big thing right now that. Uh, uh, people are doing, but most buyers are doing their own cleaning. Yeah, P- peace of mind is priceless in this regard. Yeah. Um, another question here. I'm planning to list my home for sale next month. A couple of years ago, I noticed a small crack in the foundation where a small amount of water was leaking through. It only leaks a very little bit during extremely heavy rainstorms. Can I tell my salesperson not to tell potential buyers about it? That salesperson has to disclose now that he knows about that. He cannot, uh, he cannot put that house up for sale knowing that there is a, 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 le- a, small, a, leak, a, a small leak in the, uh, in the basement when there's heavy, heavy torrential rains. Now, uh, that, that seller may say, well, listen, I, I don't want you to uh, um, sell my house. I'm just going to get another agent. Well, that agent will probably call the agent that does list and say, Hey, listen, now that he knows about it, his obligation is to make sure that, uh, that the agent that currently has it listed discloses that if, if the seller didn't disclose it to the uh, second agent that he invited in to tell him about. So regardless, uh, just, you know what, you're better off just disclosing and you won't have any problems on closing or even six months after closing. So, uh, it's, it's, it's easier and better and you can sleep at night. You're not going to get a, a letter in the mail, uh, from a lawyer indicating that, uh, that, uh, this was, uh, something that, uh, was hidden and not disclosed. we got about 90 seconds here, but I, uh, the, the scenario that you played out in terms of the first agent being told and then basically being excused by the seller, um, does that agent, does the first agent have to, by law, tell any other agent that lists that home? Would they be in any it, trouble if they didn't? Um, you know what? I, I, it, it's up to the agent himself. I think most agents will disclose to the second agent uh, that uh, I hope uh, that seller disclosed that. And now, now if the second agent knows that, he'll have to confront the seller and say, hey, listen, you know, I talked to so-and-so and they said you've got a problem in the basement. Yeah. I have to disclose this now if anybody's going to buy this property. So there's no way that seller can get away with it. And that's, and that's where the problems come in too, uh, when people sell privately, right? You're not going to, they're not, a lot of homeowners won't disclose a lot of, uh, things that need to be disclosed. And, uh, and when the buyer moves in, guess what? He's got uh, a handful of headaches that, uh, he's got to deal with yeah. and, and he may have to take the person to small claims court. And it, it, it's just a, it's just an ugly process. It's a, it's a big hassle. When we come back, big decision coming for Americans in November, and it may have a big impact on Canadian snowbirds, especially in the Florida area. We'll tell you why when we come back here on the Hamilton Real Estate Show on 900 CHML. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 900 CHML. Here on the Hamilton Real Estate Show on 900 CHML. My name is Rick Zamprin. On the line once again is Rob Golfie and Philip Golfie, sales representatives with Remax's Scarlett Realty, the Golfie team. Call them right now at 905 575 7700. 
905-575-7700. For the hottest listings in town, go online to robgolfie.com. That's Rob, G-O-L-F-I.com. At Rob Golfie on Instagram and Twitter. Like their Facebook page. It's a dandy. Great poll questions, by the way, guys, in terms of, you know, getting the pulse of the city and asking some interesting questions uh, over the last uh, number of weeks. And if you haven't done so already, for those of you listening to the program, download the Hamilton Real Estate Show podcast. Stay up to date with uh, the best and hottest real estate stories in the market. Uh, go online to your favorite podcast area and, again, download the Hamilton Real Estate Show podcast. Huge decision for Americans this November the 3rd as they elect a, uh, a new or re-elect uh, President Trump for another four years. And this has, I would imagine, a lot of Canadian snowbirds kind of contemplating what to do. There was a fantastic article in the Toronto Star. If you want to read it, just Google um, Canadian snowbirds Toronto Star. You'll find it. It's really good. Um, if, uh, as the story goes, if Trump wins again, a lot of snowbirds in Florida are contemplating whether or not to sell because I guess they've just had enough of Donald J. Trump. What do you make of this scenario? I don't know. Like, I, I, I follow him. I hear him on the news. And, and I only get CNN. So CNN does not like Trump. So if I had <laughs> and vice news, versa, I probably, I, yeah, I probably would. They'd probably, uh, I probably, it'd be a different story. But I, I, I don't know if the snowbirds um, have you know, it's not. I don't know if it's going to affect them at all any in any way. I, and I know Florida is big with Trump. Like, isn't it? Isn't that what uh, made him win? Like, isn't that? That was how one of the states he won uh, four years ago. Yeah. Yeah. So, I don't know, but I mean, I, I think um, uh, snowbirds are more worried about COVID, uh, about going down this uh, winter versus uh, Trump. And I, and I, I honestly, I, I'm not up to date on that uh, that aspect with Donald Trump, with uh, you know what's going on with the Canadians and mm-hmm. stuff. Um, and I, I was just briefly watching a uh, a thing on uh, the History Channel about uh, the oil uh, that's going to the U.S. I, I didn't realize. For, I guess 40 percent of the oil that the U.S. consumes is from Canada. I don't know if that's true or not, but I was just watching a brief moment of it on uh, History Channel uh, very early uh, this morning. It, it is. But, it uh, is a high. It's a higher than percentage. It's a higher percentage than most people think because yeah, they, I think the, the world thinks that Canada and the U.S. gets most of its oil from the Middle East. It's really just a fraction of what they that's get. Right. And so that's yeah, right. that, that ha- obviously has a ripple effect on numerous. Uh, you know, global markets. But back to this Canadian snowbirds, and, and this is one of the things, and you mentioned it, the COVID-19 scenario, uh, you know, th- that's one of the question marks. You know, is it safe to go down south for the winter? Do they have sufficient health coverage uh, in terms of insurance if they do get COVID-19 when they're in Florida? Because that's one of the states where the virus has really exploded. And at the end of the day, yeah, the question is, should they hang on to their, uh, you know, properties or sell. If you were a, a realtor down in Florida, you know that the election is on the way, you know that COVID's a reality, you have a Canadian snowbird as a client, do you sell now or do you wait till after the election knowing that if it goes Biden, maybe prices go up, if it goes Trump, maybe prices go down, but that's a lot of maybes. It, it is, but I'll tell you, uh, you can't follow uh, what everybody's doing because that's where it's going to cost money. So if 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 everybody starts selling in Florida, house prices in Florida are just going to drop like crazy, like you know, like one after another. Now, um, it's it, it, it's a it's, it's I a think scary. people here. Here's the thing: people are, are are cannot wait to to like we have the we have the colder weather coming, 
people are going to go to Florida. I, 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 I'd be very surprised. I, I still think there's, there's going to be a lot of people that are going to go. You think about this for, for the first time, you know, for the, for the snowbirds who've been in Florida for, for the last five to eight to nine years who, who haven't experienced a true real Canadian winter, they're going to be leaving in seconds, the second, <laughs> the second we start getting negative temperatures <laughs> and snow. The first and, gonna, and, and yeah. a 14 day quarantine on the way back is, is nothing compared to a freezing cold winter in Canada. And, 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 I don't care what anyone says. The second this thing, this, this, you know, we start getting colder weather, people are going to go to Florida in, in, in a heartbeat. And, and no matter what the, what the cases are, no matter what the, what the thing is, I, I think people are still going to go down there and, and be thankful for their, for their, uh, for their U S property in, uh, in, in, uh, in warmer weather. So that's my opinion. I, I, I can't see people, you know, just dropping their properties all of a sudden, especially as we go through this, this pandemic and, 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 and get into the, the winter months, I think people will be fleeing. So. Uh, I 100% agree for the simple fact that how many <laughs> how many Americans did we hear from after Trump initially won four years ago, say, that's it, I'm moving to Canada. How many of those people actually yeah. did? And I think the same number of Canadians who have a vacation spot in Florida will be moving back here or selling it just because Trump wins re-election. I just don't see it happening. If you have a spot in Florida... Keep it because it's only going to yeah. appreciate as we see here in Hamilton and other you know cities across the world that prices are only going to go high. Guys, fantastic program once again. Enjoy the rest of the weekend and uh, thanks for listening to the Hamilton Real Estate Show. We're back next Saturday at nine on nine hundred CHML. The preceding was a paid commercial program, unless otherwise identified. The guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 900 CHML.